You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi folks, and welcome to episode 13 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts. Uh, joining me this month, we have a uh, panel of four guests, uh, although two of them are sharing one microphone, so I'm in danger of forgetting them. Sorry about that, guys. Anyway, right. from the United Kingdom of Great Britain, Northern Ireland, and still Scotland, we have Gazmas. Good, uh, good evening. I'm going to say I'm going to say it as it is here. Well, it's evening for me too. So yeah, we'll, ah, we'll go with yeah. evening. I think actually, if if we go by democracy, it's evening for for the panel. Um, a little bit further to the east and even further into the evening, we have Stefan Lesage joining us. Hi, Stefan. Good evening, everyone. It's uh, evening here as well, so... Yeah. And then the whole other side of Ireland altogether, we have um, our two friends in New York. We have Tom and Antonio joining us. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey, Bart. So you said you've come together to become one. You are switched to manual now? Switched to manual. Yeah, we should coordinate our speaking so we just have one unified message. We should talk in like like the board <laughs> at the same time. Same time. <laughs> if you can harmony it, that'll be really impressive. <laughs> We're staring at each other with these I, weird I can't headphones. Sing. Yeah, no, we have like we have one of these old fashioned microphones that you'd see in like a, a radio show in the nineteen fifties. Oh, but so the flat one with the two big sides to talk into. Well, it's sort of like a big dome. I don't know. <laughs> like it, Antonio's going to take you a shot. At, Send you a shot. Like the yeah. one in the icon for the show. Like the, the, yes, yeah. very yeah. much so. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Okay, well, our topic this month is actually a topic suggested by Antonio. So, Antonio, <laughs> do you want to introduce the idea you had? You'll have to remind me exactly what I said, but it had to do with um, the, uh, owning equipment and buying equipment. But um, I you, think it was... The way you put it to me was, we don't have to talk about what you should buy. We should talk about how you go about deciding what you should buy. Right, because... Um, <laughs> Because as, uh, as photographers, we love to rationalize the purchasing of new equipment. And our spouses and significant mm-hmm. others say, you don't need that camera. What do you need that bag for? You know, and I'm, I'm like, well, because it, it has a purpose. You know, I do need two camera bags and I do need four camera bodies. And why? Because it, it fits the job, what, what we need to do to get the work done. Um, so I, I find myself in you know, ownership of multiple pieces of gear a lot of it redundant but they all serve different purposes so i thought that would be a good topic question i definitely want to get to is how do you go about deciding which of the 500 million different things you could possibly buy are actually the ones you should buy very good question i guess it depends on your credit card (laughs) (laughs) okay that's a factor right um it probably makes sense to start with the most uh, the most difficult decision you're ever going to make in your photographic life. Which camera to buy? And we're not doing a brand thing here, although we'll no, probably... No, th- because everyone's going to come to their own conclusion, right? Yeah, yeah, but, but uh, you know, we're sort of brand agnostic here, at least. We'll try to. Well, I, I'm, I, I believe that there's no such thing as the perfect anything, because everyone is different, therefore the perfect computer for me is not the, com- the perfect computer for someone else. The perfect camera for me is not the perfect camera for someone else. So I don't like this, oh, my camera's better than yours. Yeah, no, as long as mine is better for me, it's all good. Yeah, exactly. It's about figuring out what you want to do, what your needs are, and, and what, what camera is going to you know, help you do what you want to do. 
So imagine the listener. The, imagine we have a listener listening who has, let's say, five hundred dollars burning a hole in his pocket, and he's saying, "I really want to get into photography. How do I go about figuring out what I should do? What questions should that person be asking?" Uh, uh, one thing. Uh, can I jump in here? Oh, by uh, because one, right? I'm actually going through that bit of the process um, oh, myself you can be at the moment. User, then. Yeah, um, because um, I, I've I've shot the um, SLRs for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I then moved to um, a Sony camera, which was of relatively early on in the digi- digital age. It was a twelve by optical, twelve times optical zoom, which was one thing that I was looking for more than anything. Which you know, a, a large amount of optical zoom, um, because any digital camera that which I'd seen prior to that, and we are talking many years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, when, as soon as you zoom in on the uh, computer with it, it, it just it, you lost an awful lot of imagery and you've got a lot of noise on there. Uh, and then I moved, finally moved over to a DSLR uh, and I stuck with Sony. I was a bit of a Minolta uh, boy when I was uh, um, younger uh, and I stuck with Sony because they kind of took over the brand. I know it went to Panasonic, etc., etc. but I, I kind of stuck with them because I also still had some lenses from my uh, original camera which still still fit. So worked together. Well, the same thing, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's not quite the same thing. But I'm now in that stage where I'm wondering whether actually a DSLR for myself is just too powerful, and I'm really contemplating moving over to a mirrorless camera. And I think mirrorless cameras have really thrown the cat amongst the pigeons uh, recently, uh, and 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 caused a lot of uh, consternation from people as to you know. How deep do you go? I've got this camera. It's a little point and shoot. It's been great. I've taken some great shots. I know I can do more. I then move up. So you, you used to have the option of just going to a DSLR or an SLR. But now the mirrorless uh, range, and for me, one of the biggest, biggest uh, drawbacks of carrying a large camera is its size. And the and, and having to, I mean, you know, Bart, I do an awful lot of walking. Yes. And if I'm going to take some reasonable shots, then, you know, I need to take that camera with me. And we walk quite a long way on the, our holidays, and it's much better to have a nice light camera. And I found myself with the 5S, because uh, I've got an iPhone, taking an awful lot of shots with that. One, because they were coming out good enough during the day uh, for what I needed. Uh, and two, and here's the biggest factor, convenience uh, and the you weight. It with you. I had it with me and it was light rather than having to get the uh, DSLR out of the bag. And the the problem with the DSLR was when you're out walking, British weather, a little bit like Irish weather, you never quite know when it's going to absolutely throw it down. And when you're on the coast, it does that an awful lot. So towards the end of the, the holiday, I found myself actually taking more shots with the uh, iPhone because it was easier to be at hand and easier to protect when it did rain. So um, you have the good camera sitting in your hotel room or your whatever. Well, actually, no, it was with me, but I still found myself having wanting the convenience of a smaller camera, and that's why I, I'm at the moment really racking my mind as to whether I, you know, change my direction and go for um, a mirrorless camera because it'll still give me much more power than what I've got, obviously, with any with any phone. Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, bigger sensor. Yes. Less noise. Yes. Better. 
Yes, well, and you've still got a certain amount of power over, you know, setting your... I know that there are applications and there are some camera phones which allow you to take uh, a little bit of manual control. And yes, I do take over the manual side. I do a little bit of manual, not completely. I'm, I'm not that good yet, but I do a little bit of manual stuff. So I still want that power. And I know that some of these mirrorless still give you that, that um, you know, that power to be able to do that. And I think mirrorless cameras have just thrown a complete spanner in the works for people trying to decide where, you know, where they're going to go with their next camera, especially if they're, especially if they're relatively new. Well, yeah, because if, no, if you're new, you've no baggage, right? You have the choice to pick anything because you don't have 500 lenses to... Uh, well, you do, well, you do, but I wonder whether... whether yeah, g- agreed, yes. And that's, that's the, one of the biggest, biggest hurdles, isn't it? If you've got a lot of baggage already, or not baggage, but if you've got a lot of money... Mm. But if you've got a lot of money tied up in lenses especially, then that's a big sway for decision-making. Did I hear Antonio's voice peeping in there? Well, um, yeah, I just remembered you said if you had $500, and so you're obviously talking about just buying one camera. But um, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that mirrorless cameras are going are gonna, to you know, do away with the DSLR. And again, it has to do with the sensor size and... and um, you know the kind of pictures you're going to want to take, uh, and the correct tool that's going to fit that. And mirrorless cameras will fit a certain bit of work that you might one might want to do, but I don't think it's going to be able to cover the entire gamut of work that you might want to cover, especially if you're going to be taking photography seriously. I mean, you know, I, I would. The sorry, big thing. The big thing I've noticed. I gave some consideration to it as well, of course. Um, and what I've noticed is that in if you're interested in doing nighttime stuff like I do, the small sensor bites you in the backside very quickly because you're going to come home with noisier images than I do, simply because each pixel can capture less photons. So I, I, I agree, and uh, I think you know you may not need to be able to determine that right away when you're buying your first camera, but I think you, one needs to be open to the fact that you might be buying a second and third camera body, depending on how serious you get but it, it, you see to me if you're in Gaza's situation where you have a shiny big camera and you're set, you're finding yourself not using it because it's too big then it makes perfect sense to me to go small I, I have a lot of cameras that sit in my bag that I don't use but I still have them because <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is don't sell like, your camera guys buy no, I, you know I mean today I walk around with my iPhone because it's raining and I don't want to bring out my bigger cameras but you know on an average day, I might carry my Fuji X20 a lot more. And then there are some days when we do our photo walks, Tom, and, and um, you know, we bring our DSLRs because they, you know, they fit the bill. Yeah, I, but I, I think we're on the right track here talking about, you know, what you're willing to carry and what you want to carry. And convenience is a huge factor. I mean, if you have, if you have a choice of just relying on your phone or using an SLR, you know, then you have options depending on your day and what you're doing and what the light conditions are going to be. Like Bart, you were saying at night, you just want your SLR. Um, Antonio and I first met because I pretty much always have my SLR on me and it's kind of obvious. And uh, I've just erred on the side of, you know what, I'm going to be ready for anything at any time. I am always going to have this with me because it seemed like you know, if I had it with me 100 days, the one day I didn't have it with me, I would just 
you know, see some flaming person on a unicycle. And I'd be like, why didn't I bring it? So I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to be ready. I'm guessing since you, you like street photography, and by all means, correct me if I'm being all silly, but I'm assuming you don't have a giant big lens in it. You probably have quite a small lens in it. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, my, my go-to lens is, is my wide angle, um, you know, 70, uh, 17 to 40. It's, it's fairly good size, and it's intimidating, you know. Uh, but I did just um, actually bar. I, I saw this lens in Ireland, and then when I got back, I, I bought it here in New York, um, just a 40-millimeter pancake lens, uh, in part because of the way it looks when it's on the camera you know, how it is very unobtrusive. And so then the whole camera just seems less intimidating for, for street stuff and just, you know, shooting. Yeah, and There's also a big difference between a DSLR and a DSLR because at one end you have the, the, the dinky little DSLRs like, you know, like the Nikon D40 or something yeah. like that. Absolutely tiny as DSLRs go. And then you have like, you know, a giant big pro Canon body with a battery grip and two shutters and all sorts of carry-on. Mm -hmm. They're worlds apart, even though they're both DSLRs. Yeah, but, that's true. But, but I assume if we're talking about um, 500, are we talking $500 okay, no, here? Forget I said 500. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Just, just, yeah. a, just, just a first. Uh, okay, so should, should we put this into a, a first camera or another camera? Because obviously there are, there are different, completely different scenarios. If, you, if, you, if you're taking image, a lot of images and you think you can do a lot more, then I'd certainly contemplate getting a, a dear you know a dslr body um because then you're going to spend the next x number of years probably investing in the right glass um, so if you're already taking pictures you probably know what you want because you've hit some sort of something about what you have now is getting in your way and whatever that something is is what you're trying to solve with camera yeah. number two yeah the problem with camera number one is it's such a blank slate and it's such a daunting question Maybe the advice True. is just don't be afraid to get it wrong and have at it. Well, I, one bit of advice if it is your first camera is go out and rent some. That's a, yeah. I would agree with that. But can I just throw in, I, I don't think there's any getting things wrong. I mean, <laughs> and, and no, really, because don't, I think the yeah, camera, I, mean, I think every... Sort of flippantly, though. I yeah, mean, I know, but, you may change but your just mind. To, yeah, just to put it out to the audience, though, I think pretty much any camera you get these days, if you're going to be spending, let's say... 500 and up or 400 and up is going to be a pretty decent camera. Yeah. Like there aren't, I mean, there's going to be, you know, this one's going to be might a little bit better than that one. This one's got a bigger sensor than that one. But I don't think you can do wrong on your first camera. You'll, you'll learn, like you said, Bart, you'll learn at some point later what you might need and what barrier you're going to come up against. And then you'll figure out what you'll want for your second camera. But I, I don't think you'll do bad on your first camera purchase. It doesn't mean you shouldn't research it and ask people about stuff, but but it is a luxury. Actually, you're right that there isn't junk out there. Yeah, no, we've gotten maybe five, ten years ago. You you know you'd be reading Steve's digicams a lot more and saying, oh, you know, pixel peep a lot, you know, on this you know camera or that camera. These days, yeah, you know, one's a little bit better than the other. Man, I don't know. You're, you'll be okay. Do you know, one of the things I found quite useful, and that was to go onto YouTube and look for videos of the interface of the camera I was looking to buy. Huh. Because one of the things I've, I've, I've found, when I've seen other people using their camera, I look at the interface and the menu at the back and I'm thinking, what? what? Whoa. <laughs> and um, I, I just found that useful. So again, you know, you, you, it, it's about using your camera and likes. And if you, if you don't like the menu setup, then 
you're probably not going to use it as much as perhaps you could. That's actually a really good point. And I think the advice I was going to throw in at some stage was if you can, rent is the one way to do it. But if you know someone who has a camera like the one you want to buy, just yeah. borrow it. Because I was convinced I wanted a Canon. And I borrowed one. And I hated it. I hated <laughs> everything about it. It was, it felt plasticky. The menus were completely not the way I wanted them. The buttons were in all the wrong places for my hand. It just felt awful. And then I picked up an icon. And I was like, oh, hey, my hand fits on this. This feels right. And you know, straight away, I was like, well, thank goodness I found that out before I spent quite a few hundred euro. Yeah, it's a good idea. Also, if you uh, do your research online. You can do all your research online. You can uh, eventually buy it online. But it's it's always a good idea to go to a physical shop and pick up uh, the the body, try it out, uh, see if it it fits your your handling. Indeed, if the buttons are on the wrong way for your hands, those are things you you will probably not see on the internet, and you will you will only find out if you hold uh, the camera. It's true, you know, and and on the whole, back to just the basic size differences and what you're willing to lug around. We have a, a an animal shelter near us here in this neighborhood of Brooklyn, and I was surprised by how many big mastiffs they have there. And the guy who runs the shelter said, yeah, people think it's a cool idea to get a mastiff, and then when they get them as a puppy, they love them. And then they start getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and they realize, I just cannot deal with this size and they bring it back to the shelter so you know whether or not you're going to want to be realistically lugging around a bunch of gear some people just are not going to want to do that my my sister got interested in my older sister and she got a you know decent slr and uh after a while she just said i'm i'm selling it i just i do not want to carry this thing around yep yeah, I, I had exactly the same scenario. My uh, my sister um, had recently um, had a, a first child, and um, they loved some of the shots that I've taken. Mm-hmm. And I was I was changing my camera, and she said, "I'll I'll have your old one, Gary. You know, I'll 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 buy that." Uh-huh. And she had it for about two months, and she never took any pictures with it because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I took her all through the basics with it, but it was just it was. It wasn't convenient for her to take pictures. Yeah. It wasn't a good fit. Nope. Nope. And that's, I think that's where I was coming from with, um, with possibly moving to a smaller... Antonio was singing the praises of the SLRs, but he's actually been doing a lot of shooting with a mirrorless. <laughs> she has <laughs> around his neck at this moment. <laughs> well, happy. Huh? Sorry. I've had the opportunity to play around with uh, with uh, uh, the interchangeable lens system from uh, Canon, the, the compact camera, the uh, uh, no, the Nikon Nikon One series, mm-hmm. and I actually quite loved uh, the, the the portability of of of, uh, of that camera. It's uh, it has interchangeable lenses, but it's it's small, it's compact. You can put it in your pocket. Uh, you don't need to carry a big bag around. I actually quite liked it. So probably it all depends on. on on what your primary requirement is. If it's indeed to go out uh, on, on walks, then you will probably not uh, carry around a big bag with uh, two or three lenses in it, and you might uh, be using a, a compact camera for that. For me, it was uh, 
Uh, I know when I bought my camera, uh, my primary requirement was uh, uh, burst images. It, it should it be possible to take a lot of images in sequence in a very short time because I was using it for uh, uh, doing some photography in our uh, Aikido sessions or sports. And then that was my primary requirement. And I know some other people uh, had... Uh, uh, more uh, needed more the, the light sensitivity and they went for another brand instead. Uh, Stefan, would you consider buying that camera as a second camera or just like replacing an entire system with this? I would consider buying the, 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 the Nikon 1 series as a second camera to take with me on, on the holidays. Uh, yeah, indeed, I would. Even if my primary camera is a, is a Canon and I have Canon lenses at home, but I quite like the, the Nikon, uh, Nikon 1. Yeah, that's uh, sort of my point at the beginning when we were talking about this subject about like having the multiple pieces of equipment to suit the, um, you know, what you're going to be doing. If you're going to be setting up stuff on a tripod, you know, you might want your heavier camera, but you're going on a trip, you'd like to have the convenience or, you know, some quality. You might need to bring a second camera with you or a different camera system that would fit the idea of traveling better. Or you might use them all at once. Uh, you could. I did. You know, you know, I, did. I got. I got made fun of over the weekend. Um, a Flickr friend of mine decided. He decided my name is now Inspector Gadget. And uh, we, we had a Steam special coming through, and they don't happen often. So my thought is, you capture it as much as you can because this thing doesn't happen very often. So I had my D40 for stills, my D5100 for video, and a GoPro for video at the opposite angle. So we had the train coming, the train going, video, and still. And I managed to fit it all into my backpack and cycle everywhere too, which is kind of good. Uh, but he, you know, he thought it was quite funny that I had all this tech. But you know, it does add up. I, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna relate a short, quick story about my in my film days, and I went on a trip to to Seattle, and I brought a uh, a medium format camera, a Mamiya six by seven, which is about the size of Frankenstein's shoe. It was huge, uh, <laughs> two lenses, and my thirty five equipment, and I schlepped it up a mountain, and it was you know higher than. Uh, uh, sea level, so I couldn't breathe. <laughs> and it was a lot of stuff. And what it ended up bothering, like two things about bringing too much equipment was like I was very tired um, by the time I was ready to shoot. And I also, this is for me, sometimes I have a hard time des- deciding what piece of equipment to use. Like, do I shoot this landscape with the big camera? Do I shoot it with the small camera? Do I bring both cameras with me on this shoot today? If I leave one piece behind in my hotel room, will I get rot? Like, I, there was too many choices. So, mm. As I've evolved, you know, my equipment choices over the years, I've, I've, I've wanted to pare down the stuff and just think about what I'm going to do on that day. And if I, you know, if I have to bring two pieces of equipment, I will. But if I can try to avoid that and, and then, you know, deal with the situation as it comes up and, um, you know, okay, well, I don't have my telephoto lens today because I decided not to bring it. Okay, I'll live with that, you know. But um, at the expense of, like, being too tired or caring too much and, and, and that, you know, those, those times when you have to take too many choices and think, well, what lens should I use? I don't know. And then the shot's gone, you know, so. Now, I have to say I brought a lot of equipment, but there was no decisions being made in the field because I had planned everything out the night before and spent an hour packing my bag to be sure everything was exactly as needed. And I didn't carry one single millimeter, one single gram more than I had to. You got, you got to talk to Tom for a second because every time I see him, he's carrying his gear with him all the time. <laughs> yeah, I like I said, you know, I, I I generally do. Although I have to say, uh, the past past few I don't know past month or so, I, I've been sometimes I leaving my camera at home, and you know it's funny that 
somebody was mentioning the the iPhone and doing a decent job and and decent light. You know, I've I've gotten some shots I like with my iPhone. I remember um, a friend of mine whose brother is a world famous photographer, Ron Haviv. Um, she was telling me sometimes on jobs, uh, he was using his iPhone. You know, for of course, just particular shots. You know, that would that would work for that. And so I don't. I can leave my camera at home now and feel like I'm not really going to be caught without a camera because I have my phone on me. But yeah, I generally like to carry everything. I have a bag with a, you know, a zoom, a wide angle. I've got that new 40 now. I just I like to be prepared. So, so when you say carry everything, you really do mean carry everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of crazy, but you know, if I'm, you must have a good bag or something to make that practical. Well, it's funny, my bag is wearing out, but uh, Tony has one he's going to give me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, as we talked about bags, I don't know if we talked about bags or if there's a segue, but like... Yeah, consider so, a segue. You know, well, you know, like, it's you know... important. I wanna, not to, you know, throw this out, but, you know, some women like lots of shoes, you know. I think uh, photographers like a lot of bags. <laughs> At least I... <laughs> You know, yeah, you go in, you go into a good camera store, and there's an amazing selection. I mean, you know, B and H here in New York, it's like a couple of different aisles of just pure bags. Well, I can never find the I can never find the just the one that's perfect. I have to have. <laughs> How can there be one that's perfect? Because depending on what it is you're doing, you're going to have very different needs. That's true. Yeah, you know, you're going to uh, going to climb up the side of a mountain like I did. I'm going to use a backpack of some sort. Or if you're going to go to a wedding, you might want a saddlebag or something on your side that you can reach into the equipment, you know, into it faster. Or if you're just going on a, you know, a small little trip, you might want something that sits on your waist or something. So, uh, yeah, you, you know, if you're out walking, you want to be able to get your camera quickly. You want something that's comfortable while you're walking. But if you're mountain biking... You can't possibly cycle and take pictures at the same time without killing yourself. So easy mm-hmm. access is completely irrelevant, and comfortable carrying is what matters. Right. Yeah, I, I like this one backpack I have because, I mean, normally I have a fanny pack that, with, and I have it turned around so it's, it's in front of me, you know, and, and I, I, I keep it unzipped so I can um, have my camera in my hands and be taking a shot within two seconds. Um, and when I don't have that, sometimes I'll put the camera in my in my backpack. Um, but it's weird, you know, just the added time required to take off your backpack, uh, open it up, reach in, pull the camera out. I mean, lots of times in the city, you just miss things by having to do that. Well, trying trying to be generic, I, I I've certainly got a backpack which has got <laughs> it's like it's got a large fanny pack which is incorporated into the back, so you can unclip mm-hmm. it, pull it round, mm-hmm. and then uh-huh. you can get access to the bits that obviously you're looking for quickly. Yeah. Uh, and um, I I that helped in the process of taking those pictures while we're on the walk, but it was still. Um, it was still a large object which I was having to get out, but that certainly helped in getting access to the camera and, and taking pictures. I, I have the backpack I have is its main purpose for existing is because it was easy, it's comfortable for cycling with. But it has a very convenient side flap where the camera is, so you actually don't have to take the bag off to get to your camera. Uh huh, yeah, I like that feature. It's very important. Um, the other thing when you're thinking about bags is maybe the bag you want isn't a bag. 
and that sounds a bit weird, but uh, the best thing I ever bought was a harness for holding the camera onto me while I'm cycling without having any bag with me at all. Huh. Uh, mm-hmm. To make that practical, I ended up getting rid of two lenses and buying one in their place, which is a so-called super zoom, which is 18mm wide angle up to 250mm zoom in one lens. So one body, one lens, one harness. I have everything from macro to landscape. I have it with me at all times. Now, it's not the best lens in the world for macro. It's not the best lens in the world for landscapes. But it's a really capable lens for everything. And so I I, I said, look, I want something portable and I'm going to sacrifice... And I say a little quality, I really do mean a little quality. It's the difference between brilliant and superb. Like, it, it's, I'm mm-hmm. not suffering because of it. But it is definitely not the best possible macro lens or whatever. And what kind of harness? Like, So the one I have is the cotton carry system. And it, it's, it, it's sort of, it's on your chest. So you have a che- it, the main plate is on your chest. And the mounting system is such that basically if the camera lens is perpendicular to the ground, the camera cannot come out. The only way the camera can come out is when the lens is horizontal. I see. Uh-huh. So you can go left or right, it doesn't matter. But once the lens mm-hmm. is horizontal, it will slide up and out. Mm-hmm. Um, it is... like They have videos on their website of people on trampolines doing backflips. <laughs> it is spectacularly <laughs> robust when the <laughs> angle is anything but you know the lens parallel to the ground. And gravity always pulls your lens down, so it's actually really well designed. Um, and it's over the shoulder, around your middle... Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't. It doesn't move. It, it's. You have to spend. You know. They tell. They give you instructions. Like you have to. T- you have to adjust this first. Then this. Then this. And the reason is because if you do it wrong, instead of it being the most comfortable way to carry your camera, you'll probably choke yourself or something. It'll be the most uncomfortable <laughs> way you could possibly imagine. <laughs> but if you put the time in, it is. It's so worth doing. The only thing that annoys me is spring and autumn, because the weather is so bloody changeable. I have the thing adjusted for a t-shirt, and the next day it's it's cold, so I have to readjust the thing for wearing a jacket, and then the next day it's warm again. I have to readjust it again for wearing a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. During the summer, it's just a breeze. It's just always at the t-shirt, and uh, I just grab it, throw it on, click, 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 and I'm out. It's funny you talk about uh, the, the harnesses. I, you know, getting into the um, kind of camera straps I have. I, I, mm-hmm. I also have multiple different camera straps for depending on what I'm doing. Um, I ended up buying one of those black rapid straps, which I think I might mm-hmm. replace because I don't really like the connector to it. I think it can come loose. And, um, and so the, these straps, what's their modus operandi? Or they, they, one? Well, they instead of wrapping just around your shoulder, they'll go across one shoulder and down towards your hip on the opposite side. Okay. And you the connector um, is uh, attached to the strap with a... Um, like a metal loop or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so the, the camera basically hangs from your side, and which means it's always sort of, a, it's sort of like a gunsling in a way. <laughs> and, and it's always at your side and it's available to be picked up very fast and then put down back to your side again. And, and you can get these straps that go across one shoulder or will go across two shoulders so you have two cameras on each side. Um, and those are very good for like when you need to have multiple cameras on your body. Um, but... They're not always good for every kind of circumstance. Like I will go out with that when I'm doing a lot. I know I'm going to be doing a lot of shooting and keeping my camera um, outside a lot, maybe not in a bag. Um, But it may not work in, you know, it doesn't look good while you're wearing, you know, a suit jacket or something like that. So I may want to change my camera strap to a shoulder strap so that I can have my camera sort of tucked away. Um, But these black rapid straps or straps like that, uh, work in certain circumstances when you have to have fast access to your camera and not in a not in a camera bag. 
And so these are hanging down to your side. So how? I guess they're not really meant for if you were to, you know, if you're going a sprint, you'd probably have two cameras bashing into. No, no. But they, the one I've got has a couple of stops on it, so they won't slide up and down. But ah. they do, they do sort of jingle, you know. Um, but they're they're also these things that are like holsters that have uh, I can't remember the brand name. I think it's Spider or something like that, which has got a snap on it, and you hook it to your belt, right. and then it snaps into your belt again. Though you probably don't want to be running with but that if you're wandering around like say the botanic gardens where you want to the macro lens and the wide angle lens one on each shoulder you're not sprinting right right yeah and you know again it might be that you don't want to carry a camera bag with you but you want to have these cameras accessible very fast um at your side so uh you might want to get one of these kind of systems depending on what your day of travel is going to be you know stefan you 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 also use a strap Yes, I use a, a similar strap to what uh, Antonio is describing, the, the, the Black Rapids. Uh, it's also a strap which goes uh, sideways, so on one shoulder, which makes the, the camera hang on your, uh, on your hip, on your uh, hip, which is quite easy and uh, uh, quick access to your camera so you can uh, bring it to, uh, to, uh, to your eye quite easily without having to detach something. Or, uh, it's, quite, it's a nice system. I like it. Cool. And you find that very practical when you're writing about Yes, yes, yes. Uh, there is also a, an, uh, a version which has a, uh, a strap which goes completely around your shoulder, so it's it's a little bit more stable. Uh, but uh, yeah, I quite like it. It's it's easy and it's uh, it's it, it gives fast access to your to your camera bag uh, to your camera without having it uh, on your uh, jumping on your uh, on your stomach on your belly uh, when you're walking around. Yeah, I hate that feeling. I, I of you know like a neck strap. So <laughs> I just, I just have a, a little wrist strap on mine, sort of like thick, kind of like that wetsuit material. Mm-hmm. And and so my camera is usually either in my fanny pack, you know, on my at waist level in front of me, or when I pull it out, I will put my hand in the wrist strap. So I'm just holding the camera. But if it, for some reason, it were to slip out of my hand, it's strapped to my wrist. And I just find that so much less cumbersome, you know, than something long that's going to be dangling or, um, you know, as Stefan was saying, bouncing around in your stomach. Yeah, the, I think probably the single least comfortable way to carry a camera is with the strap. They all come with a standard. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> would you like a neck injury? Here you go. <laughs> Stick a big lens on. You'll be, you know, be hunched over in no time. Well, I just want to add um, as a side note that you, if you're going to carry around a really big lens with you, mm-hmm. you probably do not – you probably want to uh, – a lot of big lenses have uh, tripod attachments on the lens. Yeah. So you want to connect your strap to that lens because often if you just have the lens hanging off of your camera, um, the, the, I would say the weak point oh, on anything is the connector where the lens is attached to the camera. And that's a part where I wouldn't want it to break off. So if you connect the strap to the lens, you're saving a little stress off the camera body from having this heavy lens hang off of it. So basically, wherever you would put a tripod, that is where your strap goes. It's a, probably a good thing to do, yeah. yeah. If you're going to carry it around, I think. I mean, if yeah. you're going to... I mean, the way Tom was talking about it, he's got this wrist strap, um, and he's always, when he's shooting, he's supporting, you're supporting the lens, right, with your mm-hmm. other hand. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's not an issue. But if you're going to carry it around on your shoulder all day long, um, you, you just want it, you know, it, that, that tripod attachment is there. So the, the black rapid straps that uh, Stefan and I were talking about, you can actually buy extra um, uh, connectors, and you can connect them to all your lenses so you always have a, 
uh, a connector available for these larger lenses that you're going to carry around. Yeah. The advantage with uh, with the black rapid uh, the shoulder straps is also if you carry your camera on your hip, uh, it will always point the lens downwards. So uh, if you have it around your, uh, on your neck, you have a camera on your on your uh, your stomach, and then the lens will point forward, which makes mm-hmm. it uh, quite difficult to move between people. And with uh, the shoulder straps, it it just hangs, and uh, the lens will always point uh, to the floor. So it's it's easier to move move around uh, as well. And you don't look quite as much like a tourist. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes, because we know that part of this is, you know, you got to look good, too. Well, it, it does help. Right? It, you know, it if does. You have a big camera right on your chest with a lens pointing straight out, you're a tourist. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good way to throw people off guard. You know, you're a professional photographer, but you that's look true. like a tourist, you know. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> there are times you want to be incognito as a tourist. Um, I guess... The camera is obviously the single most expensive thing most of us are likely to buy. I'm sure if... Actually, no, that's not even true because there are many lenses that cost... Lenses, 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 yeah. lenses, yeah. I was going to yeah. say the second most expensive thing is lenses, but actually they can, you can swap those around for, sometimes for some lenses and some cameras. So the other big thing you, you're going to be spending your money on is your lenses. So I guess we should probably at least touch off those. Yes. Oh, go ahead, Stefan. Uh, I went to, to the, the camera shop uh, this week because I was uh, thinking about... Uh, buying a, a, a better a zoom lens. I, I now have the, the 7200 Canon, which is uh, image stabilized, but only uh, f4. And I went to check if, if they have a 2.8 version. And I was thinking about buying that. But when I, I seen it in the, in the shop, it was uh, so expensive. Quite, yeah, well, expensive is well, I could I could have lived with that. But it was so big and heavy. Huh. Compared, compared to the one that I currently have and, and that really I was about to buy it, but since it was that big and heavy, I, I, I just I just didn't because I was thinking if, if I have to carry that around as well. Of course, yeah. it's expensive, but... That's what I'm carrying around. I, I have that 2.8. You do? 70, 70 to 200, yep. Yeah. It's a great lens, yeah. but it's heavy. It's heavy. Well, that, that's something, of course, when you buy online... You don't know how heavy it is until the man delivers it to your house and you pick up the package. <laughs> yeah. That's why I always look online to, to see what it is. And then I go to my, my, my uh, local shop here because I, even if it's uh, 30, 40, 50 euros more expensive than, than online, still I can, I can try it out. I can see it. I can carry it. They, if there is something wrong, it's close by. I can drive up there and they will take care of everything. So for that matter, I still prefer a, a physical shop. Yeah, but it was think, just too heavy. I think um, certainly uh, any new user, you have to use your camera for a little while before you just jump in and, and start buying all of the lenses that you. I mean, if you can afford it, okay, fine. But if you can't, you really have to get. You know, you have to find out what you're using your camera for before you then make the decision as to uh, to which which lens that uh, is going to suit you best. I don't think it's an accident that it, when you buy a camera as a kit with a camera and a lens, they pretty much yeah. all have a mid-range zoom. So right. you know, your 18 to 55s or maybe a 70105. But, but, zoom. but Bart, what is the worst thing about those those lenses? Well, it's usually cheap as chips. Well, it's not just that. It's that it's that you know the the lowest aperture rating is always well when you start taking a lot of mm-hmm. pictures, it's just. It, it's it's not a waste of time. It's usually f three five. Well, but yeah, well, well and that restricts you. I think there are variable mm, apertures on those. Yes, yeah, because yes. it's going to be f three five to f five six or something. Like yes, that, usually. yes. 
and and that's the biggest i think that that's the biggest drawback with those but again that's something to discover is because you may <laughs> find that you never work below f8 in which case it actually isn't doing you much harm you know i i my recommendation i mean and a lot of these things do come with with these crappy kit lenses and they are crap i mean let's just call them that i mean yeah, I, I i've shot many a good picture with them and i kept my you can make mine it, for at least a yeah, year before i bought anything yeah. else but i mean i, I want to say i would give someone who's buying a camera for the first time like a head start that's not the lens that's going to give them a head start i mean I like to tell people who are asking about equipment, you know, like I say, you, know, you could spend less money on the camera body. And like you've got $1,500, for instance, you know. I, I noticed my budget's been tripled, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's just, <laughs> Funny you know, how that happens, huh? Rather than spending 1000 on the body and 500 on the lens, I would, I would say spend 500 on the body and 1000 on the lens. Yeah. Um, the lens is something you're going to carry with you. I've got a lens with me. I got a 300 millimeter lens that I bought. I do not know how long ago. It's an autofocus lens. It's probably one of the Nikon's first autofocus lenses. Um, it has made the transition to digital perfectly. It, it's not a speed demon when it comes to autofocus, but it is sharp as heck. And if I need that telephoto, I use it. That was the best investment I made. And that's like 20, 25 years ago. So um, I think that people are buying, like you said, Bart, they come to this roadblock and they want to take better pictures. Um, I tend to say, like, you know, if you could find the camera um, without the kit lens, get it and think about this lens. You might be paying a little bit more money for it, but you're you're going to make that jump in quality um, much faster. And I think there'll be less frustration. Uh, sometimes you can't buy the camera without the kit lens. And I say, well, if you can afford to buy this like 50 millimeter, you know, one four, you know, buy that, too, because you'll really enjoy yeah. it the kind of pictures that you can, can take. I just give a, a counter example and I mean counter example in the sense that it makes exactly the same point but I arrived at that conclusion in exactly the opposite way I did buy a cheap lens it mm -hmm. is the biggest paperweight I've ever bought <laughs> it, it, it was I was like I want a 300 millimeter lens and I don't want to spend very much money that, that was that was my mission statement and I succeeded in buying a 300 millimeter lens and not spending very much money didn't do me homework very well Every review I read after I bought it said it was absolute crap, as, as you would say, Antonio. And uh, it turns out it wouldn't even autofocus on my body. So I used it once to prove that it let light through, and then I never use it again. And I can't even sell it because it's crap. It is, it is upstairs with a layer of dust in it. They'd probably choke me if I blew it off. And That's it was sad. complete false economy. Utter, yeah. total, and complete. Yeah. I have to agree with the, the, the investing more money in your lenses because that's that's what I did when I started and I think I've moved uh, I, I'm I'm an amateur but still I moved through uh, three bodies by now and I still have my uh, my expensive lenses I bought with the first body so you will probably keep uh, your lenses a lot longer than your your body so I would invest a lot more in, in lenses as, as well. Actually, something I love about the modern age of of um, cameras is how good the third-party lens manufacturers have become. Yeah. Because it used to be that if you bought a Canon, you were tying yourself into Canon lenses. If you bought a Nikon, you were buying yourself into Nikon lenses. And those own brand lenses, are, I think, are generally very good in quality, but they also tend to be very high in price. And I just... Every single lens I shoot with today is made by Sigma. I don't use a single Nikon lens on any of my Nikon cameras anymore. And I just love all of those lenses. And I think it's great that I was able to make that choice. I'm still, 
Well, I was going to say, I'm, I, I want to do that. <laughs> I really do. Well, and I didn't even do it on purpose, right? Because each lens decision was made in isolation, as in, I yeah. need a lens to do X. Yeah. Here are my options. Read about them on DP Review. Read about them on other websites. Play with, you know, get my hands on one if possible. And the conclusion I came to was always, oh, the lens that feels physically the most well-built is made of metal instead of plastic that has what, what is really important to me, which probably doesn't matter to 99% of people, is I need a, a um, focus scale so I can see infinity as a line, dial to that line, and then take my nighttime shots. And the Nikon lenses don't do that, uh, or at least the cheap ones don't. And so by pure accident, I've ended up with all Sigmas. I didn't decide, ooh, I love Sigma now, therefore I'm going to buy all Sigmas. I just, one day I opened my camera bag and went, hang on a second. Everything has a Sigma badge all of a sudden. Anyway, sorry. No, I was just saying that I'm, I'm, I want to say old school, but I, you know, sort of grew up with the Sigma and Tokina lenses being really kind of garbagey. And <laughs> I know, I know they've gotten better and I've seen some of the results on some of the like Sigmas compared to the Nikons, especially in the wide lenses. And, I was going to say, if you go into a, a, the 10, 20, the only. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, you know, I already own the, the, the 12 to 24 and the Nikon. So like buying another lens like that would be sort of not worth it but you know i haven't bought a lens in a while and i think you know i'm shifting my mindset that i would definitely start looking at the third-party lenses as options especially if i'm you know able to save a bunch of money and the quality is there and if there's any kind of deficiencies in the quality which there's very few but a lot of that stuff you can be made up in post-production where you can fix little things that are no longer issues anymore with the lenses so i'm with you bart that i would you know um, I would certainly consider those lenses as um, as well as the name brand lenses. Um, anyone else have any anything to chime in on, on lenses? No, I, I, I think I would, I'd agree with everything that's been said. Just but you really do have to think about obviously your you, you usage. I mean, I'm coming from a, a complete amateur uh, amateur uh, point of view and. Uh, um, someone who takes pictures in you know, uh, spits and starts, really. So you you really do have to think about your your camera, your lens uh, usage, and that's one of the reasons I've been thinking about moving over because I'm I'm at a point where I either spend a lot of money on a new camera, which I might take more shots and then have to reinvest later on, or I'm at a point where I want to spend a lot of money on a really decent lens because I've got reasonable lenses, but they're not fantastic lenses and i'm at this point not sure how much of an improvement in my photography having that step up of a lens would make me yeah i think as a general rule i I would just say um two things one is that i i once had a 85 millimeter portrait lens i think it was a 2.8 was canon it was like i think maybe around two thousand dollars and money got tight and i sold it probably for like half of that and i've never regretted the sale of anything more than that lens yeah, you know yeah i've sort of made it a rule of thumb i'm just never gonna sell another lens <laughs> oh can i chime, can i chime in with that the yeah. opposite. Uh, a friend of mine once sold me a 500 millimeter nikon lens i think it was an f4 so the thing had it came in its own trunk it was so <laughs> Is big that a telescope or a lens <laughs> it was oh my gosh and i brought it i brought it to the i brought it to holland with the my ex-wife and I shot a bunch of stuff. I went on a trip with her and 
I got to go to an airfield and I was like on the airfield with it. I looked like everybody, all these other guys who were taking pictures of the planes, they're like, oh, what is that lens? What is that lens? I only used it for that one time to shoot these stealth fighters taking off um, of an airfield in, in someplace in Holland, someplace. And I, I ended up selling it for probably half the price. But it was a lens that I, I sort of regret having purchased. Because uh. I didn't need that lens for the stuff I was doing. I like my friend was selling it. It was not that expensive. Still expensive. It was too big. I schlepped it on an airplane with me. I used it once, twice. And then I was like, I'm never going to use this lens again. And it was just a burden. And I ended up losing a lot of money on the sale of it. But uh, And I don't regret having sold that lens. But I, I sort of regret having bought it in the first place. Yeah. Although I did look cool. <laughs> like it was really fun. again it was about the looks like you know all these guys these you know uh plane geeks who are taking pictures of all the you know planes flying over and they saw me set up my tripod and stuff like that and put my hat backwards and stuff like that. like ooh, what yeah, it, it was worth it no matter how much money you lost it makes a good <laughs> made a good story too so sometimes it works out it can work out differently too because i think i have a lens now which is worth more which is worth more second hand than i bought it for which is kind of mm. pleasing yeah. i'm not gonna sell it though because it's i love it to bits um a colleague of mine in work he recently he had bought didn't think he liked and then sold the the sigma 1020 and for the last six months every time he's seen one of my photos he's gone oh what lens did you shoot that one i was like the one you sold and <laughs> he got so cranky about it he went and bought himself another copy of it <laughs> i know that feeling <laughs> anyway so at this stage in our conversation we've got a camera we've got some lenses to put in it we've got a bag to put it in we've got some straps to carry it around with so what would people think was the next most important piece of stuff to buy? Tripod. Tripod. Okay, that was that was where I was hoping yeah. to go. Mm-hmm. I just well, yeah. Tripod. Maybe monopods. it's a question worth asking. Yeah. How important is it to buy a tripod? Very. Okay. <laughs> you sound like you're going to say no. No, I mean I I always think it is, but I shoot at night. I have exposure times in in the tens of seconds, so yeah, for me it was a no-brainer. <laughs> well, I think it's very important. I know Tom. You don't? Do you have a tripod, Tom? I do have one. Yeah. Have I ever seen you use it? Yeah. Well, I did those night hula hoop hula hoop oh. shots. Yeah. But yeah, it depends on obviously what what you're gonna do, and if, yeah, for night shots, definitely for all kinds of things. I just because I tend to carry everything with me all the time. That's. I, at one point, I was carrying a tripod, but I just that's where I draw the line. <laughs> <You> draw the line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's along, along, along with Sorry. the tripod, uh, it, it, not perhaps not so much with newer cameras, but uh, you also need a camera release. Oh, a remote shutter release. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. certainly say that. One of the best. I think it was twenty euro I ever spent was on the IO remote for the Nikon's. Although there and, is a slight downside with them because it's one remote that does all Nikon cameras. Right. Myself um, and a friend of mine, <laughs> Nikon, we went there to do some night photography together. It was uh, bloody chaos. Uh, <laughs> I, I bought a, um, a very inexpensive radio-controlled one that I think had three frequencies. Um, yeah. And not all cameras can use them, but some of the, some of the DSLRs, you, have, you they get the right connector and then you connect that to the top and because you've got all these different... Um, you know, frequencies you can switch from. You, you probably won't switch someone else's camera. But I'm going to just go back to the tripod for a yeah, second because we lost answer. over yeah. really fast. Yeah. You know, what Tom was saying about carrying it around all the time, you do have to consider what you're going to be doing. And, like, I, that's another thing. I like tripods. I collect tripods and I collect bags. 
you know, I got a very, very heavy tripod for my larger cameras, which I like because I want stability and, you know, I don't want, I want a hurricane to come through in, in the tripod not to move. It doesn't just, just like I, I made the mistake of not buying a good tripod. It cost me 400 euro and mm. it didn't take a hurricane. It just took a gust of wind under yeah. a bridge. And the bridge yeah. obviously acted like a funnel. I have it on video. I was shooting video with it, and you can see mm. wobble, 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 top of bridge, black. Hmm. Ouch. Yeah, um, very, and it made a noise a that I will feeling. never forget. I will, I'll sit here oh. in nightmares. But uh, the lens mount snapped off right where Antonio Ouch. said it was the weakest point. You know, right where it met the body, the lens snapped off, and the camera shutter wouldn't fire anymore. It had to all go back to Nikon. Nikon charged me a lot of money to look at it, then they charged me a lot of money to fix it, and then they charged me a lot of money to post it back to me. Yeah. The the thing about the tripod is that, you know, you're going someplace and you've got a car and you can throw a big heavy one in there and that's great. And then you're you're only moving a few feet from your car to take <laughs> Yeah, I've got but, I've got that, that walking problem again. So I, yeah. I went out and invested in a uh, carbon fiber one. Carbon fiber. And and also one with a, a quick release mount on it as well, so I could easily get it uh, uh on nice and quick. Yeah, I was gonna mention the carbon fiber, but there's the one there's your, you know, extra five, six hundred euros because the carbon fiber's really good ones. And you're not just paying for the tripod legs, you're no. paying for the head too. So yes. you have to figure out what kind of head do you want. Do you want a ball head? Do you want a one with a pan and tilt uh control on it? I mean, each one of those is gonna do something different. So you're balancing all this stuff out. So you can you could pay a lot of money for a tripod, but you know, you can have a very nice tripod that you carry with you for hiking that's very light and it's expensive because it's carbon fiber. Mm. Or you got the one that you throw in the back of your trunk that's heavy and decent, has a nice head on it, but it doesn't cost you as much. But again, different purposes, you know. Yeah. And the gorilla pod is such a fantastic little teeny tiny yes. tripod. Yeah, buy a bunch of those. Those are great for flashes, by the way. Yes, actually. Or LED light panels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're great. You strap them up, and you know, you know, they're they're inexpensive. Sometimes you can go to a trade show, and they're giving them away. I mean, do, I, do you know what else that you can use them for? You can stick them onto mileposts next to railway lines and get fantastic footage. <laughs> <laughs> can't imagine why I'd know that. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. But uh, yeah, I've got I've got like half a dozen of those Gorilla Pods, small ones, and I got a, a one that holds a DSLR, and and uh, use those for like low angle shots too. So. I have yeah. the dinkiest little one that holds an iPhone. It's about six inches tall. It's the cutest little thing ever. <laughs> cool. Because I bought a little glyph thing that, that gives your iPhone a tripod screw, and this teeny tiny little tripod, and the two are just a match made in heaven. Anyway, the other thing, actually, so tripods are obviously, you know, the traditional way of making your camera stable, but there are also monopods. I think Antonio, did you? I, I think I remember you telling me you like monopods. Yeah, I have I have one. I do want to buy another because I've seen some now that have three little feet that pop out like a little tripod. Um, not not like a tripod. They have just three little like landing gear, I would call them, that <laughs> pop out from the bottom so that you can actually have it stand still. It wouldn't be like a perfectly stable platform, but it it's a little bit more stable than when you're holding a monopod on its own. But monopods are great for when you've got those big lenses. And you do need some support because you're going to walk around all day and you can only take so much ibuprofen with you. And, you know, you want, you want a Sherpa, you know, you want someone's back. And, and this, this ends up being that kind of thing. You know, it, it's really good with – I find it really good with my heavier lenses, you know, when yeah. I'm just going to be moving around a lot. Uh, and, and because they're very light, I had uh, – I'm not sure if mine's carbon fiber. 
I can't remember, but a carbon fiber monopod is a really good investment, especially if you can get one with those little legs that pop out. Um, I, I believe I haven't bought one, but I have often seen them advertised in places that double up as a walking stick come monopod. So, guys, yeah. for your hiking escapades. Yes, yeah, yeah. I've I've had a, a monopod for a long time. I've I've not used it for walking though. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, one of the single coolest things I've ever seen. So this is no good if you have a heavy lens because the heavy lens what you're looking for is something to hold your lens up so your arms don't have to. But a lot of the time you want a monopod for stability and there's this cool little yoke you can get which is a bit like a tape measure so it's a tiny little thing, it has a string on it, you pull it out, you stick it under your foot, you screw it to the bottom of the camera and you lock it at the right height and you pull up against it and that gives you the stability of a monopod Mm. only it fits in, literally it fits in your pocket. Huh, that's ingenious. It is. And and how did you... Just one string? Yeah, so it's right. So the idea is it, it, there's a little, like, something wide at the bottom that you can stand on, a string that goes up into this spring mounted thing you screw into the bottom of the camera, and you lock it at the height and you pull up against it. And because you're pulling up, the camera doesn't shake because there's tension on the string then. I have seen a, a similar approach, but uh, one big uh, piece of rope, and you put it under your feet, uh, and, and then you attach it to the bottom of your camera, which gives you probably more stability because there is a, a triangle uh, and you, you just pull it up. That's exactly yeah. what this thing does, but instead of it being a piece of string, it's spring-mounted like a tape measure, so when you let it go, mm-hmm. it just goes zzzz, and you nice. stick it in your pocket. Hmm. I might have to try that. It sounds like a very... Yeah, I keep on meaning to buy them. I see them. Every time I see them, I think, oh, I should buy that, and then I think, yeah, but I have no money. <laughs> <laughs> so someday I will. Um, Actually, I was going to say... We should probably leave, actually, for another time, the massive world of all the different accessories that also go with photography. I'm just seeing we're at 58 minutes, which is a perfect time to wrap things up. Um, thank you very much to the panel. I think we'll definitely do a part two of this buying stuff show, because I think there's a lot more to talk about. We should do it before Christmas. Well, that was, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm serious. Okay. No, actually, you're dead, right? That's a really sensible thing. Um, so the November show, then, which is perfect yeah. timing. So Gadgets Part 2 next month. Uh, Okay, thank you very much to the panel. Before I forget that there are two of you, even though there's one Skype face, uh, Antonio, thank you very much. Thank you, Bart, very much. I I appreciate that you have us on your show. Um, I appreciate that you guys give up your time freely. (laughs) Tom, tell us, tell them where we can be found. Uh, You can find us at switchtomanual.com. We're on... We're on Instagram. No, we're... We just started an Instagram account. We haven't put any pictures on, but we're on Twitter at switch number two manual dot com. It's at no, sorry, at switch two manual. Uh-huh. Um, where else? Facebook. We're big Facebook people, so we like yeah. it. But then, yeah, thank you, Bart, and it was uh, a pleasure as always, and fun to hear the other guests and just brainstorm. Exactly. Yeah, Stefan and Gaz. Good to talk to you this month. The only way this would be more fun is if we were all in an Irish pub with a pint. Yeah, now you're talking. <laughs> or a whiskey, in your, in your case, Stefan. Woohoo! <laughs> Actually, I'll join you on the whiskey. Anyway, Stefan, thank you for joining us. Uh, do you want to give out some links? Uh, yeah, you can find me on, uh, on Facebook and on Twitter as uh, Stefan Lesage. It's S T E F A N L E S A G E. And uh, if you speak Dutch or understand Dutch, you can also listen to our Tech 45 uh, podcast, which you can find at tech45.eu. Excellent. And uh, the wonderful Mr. Maz. 
yes, uh, on Twitter's twitter.com forward slash gazmaz and gazmaz.com where I've actually probably haven't mentioned this but i've actually got some pictures over there as well pictures and videos so uh that probably needs updating i'll put some more up there but there are one or two pictures up there if people want to go and have a look and of course if you're into the mac you can also listen to guy and gaz talk mac <laughs> stuff on the my mac podcast absolutely absolutely although guys away at the moment so for uh, uh i was with the uh, uh, melissa the mac mummy this week and uh, oh, i've got another and i've got another guest next week so yeah Ooh, that should be fun hey changes a good arrest as a rest Absol- and all that. absolutely Cool. Okay, I'm Bart Bruchot. You can find me at bartb.ie. But before I wrap up, just a couple of things. So firstly, I'm trying to breathe some life into our Google Plus community. So if you go to the website for the podcast, which is lets-talk.ie, you'll find links there too. We have a Flickr group as well that also could do with some life being bred into it. And there's links there to the G Plus group and to the Flickr group. So you can share your photographs with the rest of the listeners. There are sections for asking for reviews over in G Plus. No one's done that yet someone should be first um and you know maybe we can try to get a bit more involved also f- sporadically we do question and answer shows so if you have a question i have a few in the bank but i'm going to wait a little bit longer till we build up some more uh if you have any questions you can s- send them over at let's-talk.ie the shortcut to the sendy questions page it's let's-talk.ie forward slash photo q for photo question is a little quick shortcut to get there um, also, this this show marks the one year anniversary of the show, so this is the first Yay! show of year two. Ooh. Ooh. Cool. Um, so I guess I just want to take the opportunity, first of all, to thank very much everyone, you know, the people who are here today, but also everyone who's appeared on the show as a guest, because you guys all give your time for free, and I really appreciate it. And without you guys, it really wouldn't be a show, because I don't think anyone wants to hear me talk to myself for an hour. A bit freaky if I could, and I don't think I could. <laughs> um, but I don't think it would be even a quarter, even a tenth as, as, as insightful. So, just, you know, everyone who's ever co- contributed to the panels, thank you all very much from the bottom of my heart. I really do mean that. It's, I know you guys all give up freely of your time, and it is appreciated. Also, to anyone else who's contributed in any way to the show, that includes uh, Bren Finan, who did our theme tune, which I love. Uh, Gerard Monon from the Netherlands, who did our beautiful logo. Lovely. Uh, we're actually talking about it, I think, off-air with the shiny mic. That, uh, anyway, it's cool. And also to everyone who is our supporter, either who sent us a PayPal donation or who is a regular supporter on Patreon. Uh, the Patreon people in particular, you guys are the heart and soul of the place because thanks to Patreon, I have an income stream to put against the bills. Um the bills still outweigh the income stream at the moment, but given that the podcast is a year old, I, I'm actually really happy that I'm at the stage where the, where the income is about half of the bills, and that's, I think that's really good for one year in. So thank you very much to you guys. You, you really are patrons of this show, and you really do make it possible. Anyway, it's probably enough blathering on, so thanks again to everyone, and uh, until next month, happy snapping. to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Are you a movie fan? A film fan? Well, check out the International Film Club podcast right here on the Spotlight Network. Tim Chatton and Alex Barker dive into a different movie every time, ranging from classics to some of the newer stuff and sometimes some obscure stuff that you actually might enjoy. So check out the International Film Club podcast right here on the Spotlight Network.